Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle, where we discuss the most relevant topics in higher ed today. On today's episode, I'm joined by Lauren Mensch, IT Director of Western Nebraska Community College. Lauren graduated from Chadron State College in 1993 with a BA in Accounting and Business Management. After college, uh, Lauren started his career with Radio Shack and eventually became an IT manager at Vertex Business Services. During her time at Vertex, Lauren managed the utility billing systems, which supported billing and call center operations for 10 different utility companies and processed nearly 2 million bills monthly. In 2020, Lauren became the IT director at Western Nebraska Community College and is charged with improving the college's overall infrastructure and to become a leader in, in, in this area. In this podcast, we'll discuss the challenges in supporting different stakeholder needs across a rural multi-campus college and share insights on how Lauren and his team are successfully accomplishing this. Welcome, Lauren. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. Um, on our topic today is about the use and support of technology among different stakeholder groups. And certainly um, at Western Nebraska Community College, you have faculty, staff, and students that you're supporting across uh, three different campuses. Maybe walk us through um, Western Nebraska uh, Community College, the, the makeup of the institution and the different groups um, that you're supporting in, the, in a rural uh, setting, if you will. Sure. Uh, so Western Nebraska Community College uh, covers probably one of the largest geographic areas for community colleges in the state, uh, which is pretty well the entire panhandle of the state. And uh, we don't have a lot of competition uh, locally uh, because of that. And so we've got uh, multiple um, campuses across uh, the area trying to be able to pull in and service uh, such a large geographical area. Uh, but even having said that, it's, uh, it's still a struggle because of uh, just being rural that a lot of uh, a lot of the people and a lot of the potential students don't have as much access to uh, internet or uh, the technology available to them and you're also talking about uh, students who don't have uh, necessarily the funding to be able to have computer equipment and so it, it kind of puts them at a slight disadvantage. Uh, the schools are definitely, the, the K-12 schools are, are getting better at having equipment. Uh, they're going mostly with uh, Chromebook uh, type uh, technology, but you still have, when they go home, they're not having a lot of that uh, technology at home that they can, they can utilize uh, or, or have available to them, which then makes bringing uh, teaching to them or getting them onto a campus uh, somewhat a little bit difficult. And, and then you have, I think, a little bit of the, the stigma that it's a community college and getting students to go to a community college versus uh, the university. Oh, you know, they want to get out, get out, get away. And so that kind of brings an additional challenge 
to bringing in students. I imagine this year it's been extremely difficult in that uh, the majority of your classes were moved to a virtual uh, platform. Has that contributed to the challenges that you were just describing? It is, it is definitely uh, a huge challenge. Uh, back in April, uh, the March-April timeframe when we first pushed uh, classes to uh, online, uh, I think it was, it was probably a bigger challenge for the faculty because they were not prepared to be teaching in that uh, scenario. And it took a, quite a bit for them to get everything ready and, and uh, set up. Then uh, the challenge was really the hands-on classes because now you force them off campus. So the nursing or welding, automotive, those types of courses uh, really had a big struggle uh, to do that. Um, and they, they really had to work at coming up with solutions and how to do the grading and, and where they were at uh, grading wise. And then in the fall, we decided we would still have in-person classes, which I think was really a big benefit to the area to, to get uh, students still into the classroom and still have in-person classes and the goal was to get to Thanksgiving and we've had a huge spike in the area with cases and so that has uh, really put pressure on to the administration to have a uh, solution or you know how much do you go online before you get to uh, get to Thanksgiving and uh, I, it, it was probably uh, touch and go several times over the past month before we got to Thanksgiving, but we made it to Thanksgiving and now they've gone back to online classes through the end of the year. And I, I do hope that uh, we'll go back to in-person classes in, uh, for the spring semester because uh, I think I think there's there's the mental side of it, and it's so it's so easy for for everybody to tune out uh, from it. I, even though the younger generation kind of can handle a lot of the technology, and they like kind of just being able to to pull up a video or something of their class, but I think I think there's still that mental aspect of being around other people, being in the classroom. And, and that uh, environment is is much uh, much needed by both the faculty and the students as well. Yeah, you mentioned faculty earlier in the year had a little bit of difficulty transitioning uh, to a different modality for for teaching. Maybe describe for me um, the different. Um, the different ways that you've had to support faculty, staff, and students through this? So from uh, the student side, uh, we had to uh, get a lot of uh, laptops ready because uh, as I mentioned, they don't have the technology at home sometimes. So a lot of students come in and use our, our computers on on premise. Well, now we're sending them home, so we had we had to 
ramp up and get some laptops so that they could check out from the library and take those home. Uh, so that was that was kind of the, the focus for students. Uh, for faculty, that was probably a, a bigger challenge because they weren't ready. Uh, they needed to set up their classes. Uh, we use Blackboard as our primary learning system. And there's, there's a fair amount of faculty that really don't even use uh, Blackboard. They were, they were using just in-person in classes and, and that's how they've been doing it. Um, and so for them to have to go and, and get everything configured in Blackboard uh, was certainly a challenge. Uh, I, I applaud them because they, they did it very fast uh, and, and got there. Probably a few were, were not wanting to, but, but they did. And so uh, I think once they did that, um, obviously the advantage is that they've learned that there's a lot of other ways of doing things. Uh, you don't have to always do it the same way. And, and then I think there's the, the other part, there's, there are some students out there who don't necessarily do well in the classroom and the online learning gives them that advantage of having okay here's a video i can play it i can go back and replay it i can stop it i can pause it you know you get all of those different aspects of having the video uh, that's an advantage for some students over others so it, it helps uh, some of those as well uh, but they they really struggled in that and then in the fall uh, I think it was just the, the spike in the cases in the community was creating uh, a lot of fear um, and, and maybe that's not the right word, but just stress, right? Who's going to be able to be in class? Who's not in class? Who's going to be in quarantine? Um, that unknown just was a huge amount of stress for them. And uh, so that's where they were trying to balance between do we go uh, do we go online early you know what's the impact to classes and grading so they had a lot of issues that they had to work through uh, and decisions that they had to make and and I think as you know uh, in higher ed faculty uh, sometimes don't necessarily want to agree <laughs> so that you know that just adds to it um, but they were they were able to work through it and and get to that uh, get to that point. Uh, the staff was was probably our easiest because they have a set number of applications, so it wasn't uh, difficult to get them uh, to to using different uh, or going to work from home. It was just a matter of providing equipment. Um, our problem is, uh, and I'm sure many other schools had the problem that uh, by the time you make the decision that we need something and you go to place your orders, all of your suppliers are, we're out of stock. And, and the supply line is completely getting shut down. And um, so that was, that was the challenge more so with staff of being able just to provide equipment. And so we were, we were doing a lot of. Uh, do you have Do you have a computer at home? Well, we'll set up VPN on your computer at home, and you can just use that to connect into your work computer, and go from there. 
just because there was we were running out of equipment. Yeah, and to add to what you just said, I think um, this can be appreciated by many of us in in IT, especially in higher ed. Um, you know, we had to pivot quickly in March, mm. and um, in some cases. Uh, institutions had maybe a two-week window to have everything ready as students came back from spring break. I believe it, you know, it, for most institutions it happened around the spring break period. So there was yeah. that benefit of having that extra week, but um, IT departments had to quickly pivot and get faculty staff and um, on board and, and be ready for students coming back to camp or coming back virtually, I should say. So how, what, what was that like for you earlier uh, in this year? Um, were you able to successfully uh, transition to an online learning environment quickly enough to support all three of those stakeholder groups? Uh, we were, it was uh, about that spring break time. So the students were, were headed off campus. And then uh, I think about, uh, you know, halfway through spring break, uh, it was announced that uh, we were going online and we we're extending spring break a week to get ready. So that was, that was a big advantage, uh, obviously, it was a huge crunch time to get ready. We had to, you know, even set up processes. How are we checking out equipment? How are we going to do stuff? And there was so many decisions that had to be made on the fly. And, you know, one day you're doing it one way and you have to completely change your, your method the next day. Um, you know, and then trying to even, you have no idea how many requests you're going to have to have people work from home. Uh, are they going to work from home? Are they still going to come back? You know, are you going to have people come on campus or is it just students that go home or is everybody going home? And uh, it got to the point where we pretty well had, I think, uh, after, after the dust settled, we had maybe 10 to 15 people physically on campus uh, and everybody else was working from home, <laughs> which, which is, you know, makes it really strange that it's the virtual ghost town on campus, but uh, that's, that's what it came to. Uh, but getting everything ready when you don't know, you know, you're trying to get somebody ready and you get two or three tickets for, for this and you got other people knocking at your door going, I need, I need this stuff. And he's like, I just don't have it. You know, or, uh, we had, uh, we put in an order for webcams and I think even, even to this day, if we, uh, if we left, you know, we eventually found a different vendor and, and ordered different ones, but, that original order uh, still would not be filled, and because they their probably their ship date would still be uh, maybe February uh, on that original order because you just can't get webcams. Yeah, I think everyone's feeling that same 
pinch uh, when it comes to uh, video conferencing technologies, cameras, microphones, they're very hard to come by and certainly uh, institutions that require a lot of them uh, have even a more difficult task in, in finding a vendor who can fulfill their orders. And um, I, I'm curious, uh, what was the, um, the perspective of the IT team uh, as you were going through this in, in, in March. Obviously, with a small team, uh, it's difficult to uh, take on the additional responsibilities and, and the amount of um, work required to, to get everyone ready within two weeks. Uh, maybe describe a little bit about, about that process and um, mm -hmm. what, what the IT team uh, did during this time. Yeah. Um... So it was it was quite a hectic time within the team because they had uh, we had two two on staff who uh, just recently became fathers. So they were they were kind of in the in the loop of uh, no sleep to begin with, <laughs> and uh, then we're getting pounded with uh, all of these requests, and and obviously they have their own. Uh, stress from home and you know what's happening in the community and what are you going to do do you stay at work do you come in and um, so there was the first probably the first couple days uh, were the highest stress and then uh, we just kind of got into a focus as to this is what we're going to do and um, and I think we kind of had that combination. We, we got a few processes in place. We got the answers in the right order. And we were able to then start supplying faculty and staff with the, the necessary equipment, answers, how you're going to do things. And that really sped up how we were able to get things done. And then, you know, that curve of all of that work starts to taper off and you get fewer and fewer requests as time goes and then it kind of dwindles off um, and then after a couple of weeks you know we're we're ourselves are starting to move to okay we're going to start working from home we can do all of the remote support we got ourselves set up and uh, the oddest thing happened, which was our ticket volume went to near zero. It was really weird. It was like all of a sudden people were figuring out they can do certain things on their own. They had it figured out and they weren't calling us for all of these uh, different requests. And so our workload really dropped to almost nothing through the summer. And which is which was really strange, um, but I think it helped to to kind of give them that break, that much needed break from all of that initial stress. That's like okay, I can I can kind of uh, decompress from all of that work, and and now you know in the you obviously have that ramp up in the the fall semester. Uh, it kind of tapered off, but then we went back up because uh, the spike in cases. Um, so now we're kind of, we're kind of back into the mode of, we have, we have far more 
things to do because it, you know the, the backlog from from all of the shutdown and all of the different changes we were making now you catch up and it's like well there's still that amount of work that has to be done and we still have to move things forward and so now we're playing a bit of catch up on that did did you have to have a different protocol in place to support faculty, staff, and students from a virtual standpoint. Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about um, what the um, what the team did as far as on-site versus virtual. Were most of the IT staff at home working, or did you have them on campus? And and how did the team address? requests from faculty, staff, and students from a remote standpoint or a virtual standpoint? Okay, so one of our, one of our culture problems is that, uh, you know, being rural, everybody's far more wanting to be in person. They always want to come up and they want to call or they want to do different things. And uh, so getting them to use a ticket system they just, they, they don't want to do. And obviously in IT, you, you live off your ticket system that drives your metrics, that drives your ticket load, workload, all of the different things that you need to do. And so getting that people to use the ticket system is, is kind of difficult in, in the rural environment. But this helped us because that actually drove people to use the ticket system because we're like, you got to use the ticket system if you need something. And that allowed from, uh, from us to be working at home to just have that central point, you know, so you, and your phone isn't ringing off the hook or your cell phone because people were trying to get a hold of you. It was funneled through the ticket system. And, you know, because you, you don't have the same facilities you do at your workplace. Uh, so trying to do some of those things at home uh, is a little more difficult and needing that ticket system to be the driver of your workload, uh, it actually was a benefit so that back, the staff and faculty were using that more and more uh, to do that. And, and then we were free to uh, actually respond based upon the tickets rather than uh, being interrupted by, by phone calls. Uh, so that was that was kind of a, an advantage for us uh, having that move. Um, everybody did uh, work from home. Um, I was the only one that came into the office uh, just so that there was a, a presence in the office uh, if needed. And um, like I say, it, because that that ticket load kind of tapered off, uh, there was a period that we were getting so much done. It was, it was kind of crazy. And then uh, the other is my background from my previous job. Uh, we pretty did pretty much did everything remote. Um, we had physical offices, but uh, your communication and your uh, fellow workers were spread out across the nation. So you lived on uh, different uh, forms we you know at the time we used uh, I think they used teams uh, or Skype and 
that was that was what you lived on. You did all your meetings through that. And so I was used to it and the team really wasn't sure how do you do remote support and how do you use all of these tools? And I'm just like, that's that's the new world, right? You you have uh, you have all of the tools that you can do your video conferencing with, and you can do remote sessions, and you can pull up screens from anywhere in the world. You don't need to physically be right there. And so I think that was, you know, an enlightenment to to say, oh, I can I can do all of these remote tools instead of having to constantly get up and go physically touch somebody's computer. You could actually do a lot remotely. Um, you know, but it does kind of go against the culture of the area. You know, everybody just, they want you to come and stand next to them to help them. So <laughs> you kind of lose a little bit of that, but, uh, it, it was, it was good. There was a lot of learning curves, uh, and they handled it well. They handled it uh, extremely well. Um, and, and we got, uh, got through it. Yeah. yeah uh keeping with that theme, what are, what are some of the lessons learned uh, from going through this experience this year? Um, that uh, I think like with anything in IT, you just, you don't know, you can think through every possible scenario and there's always a scenario that was going to uh, come up and take you by surprise. Um, but if, if we're doing our jobs, it's not as hard, right? If you, if you prepare systems and you set up systems and have those things in place, it's not that hard to make some of those shifts uh, to, to support uh, different avenues to access applications or uh, different locations for setup or different uh, tool sets, you know, you kind of have to have some of those uh, ready uh, and, and then it's easy to ramp up or expand those tool sets. Um, and that's, I think that's where we were. Um, there's still a lot of work and things that we need to do to progress uh, the technology at the school, but we had a lot of uh, different areas. Um, we were, uh, Zoom is, of course, obviously one that was started out. We we were trying to only keep that for staff because we wanted uh, faculty to use uh, Blackboard Collaborate, and that didn't work out well. They preferred Zoom, and so we just went ahead and pulled the trigger to to get enough licenses for all the faculty, and. Uh, moved and allowed them to to use that platform, and so you, you know, you got to be ready for for those and um, see what they can do uh, to to make use of of what tool sets you can provide. Great, and um, so I, my final question is: How can IT leaders successfully support different stakeholder groups across campus? And I'm looking for well, what are your top key considerations for IT leaders? So obviously listen to um, your constituents. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to use the legalese, but you got to listen to what they're, 
what they're trying to do and, and see how you can provide the best solutions. Uh, for, uh, for us here, it was uh, that we, I think the previous administration and even some of the, not only IT administration, but some of the, the college administration was far more rigid and uh, I think developed the answer of they're, they just tell you no. And so a lot of people were wanting to go around IT to get things done. And uh, we need to have we need to have that culture in which we need to be at the table. We need to discuss and be the problem solvers, not the roadblock. And that's sometimes that's so hard to do because uh, there's sometimes the technology just doesn't do what people want to do. Uh, but we have to come up with solutions that are are useful and, and actually meet the needs. And I think that's the one difficult part about being in higher ed uh, compared to, let's say, private industry is because uh, private industry, you could go in and you could do a bit of the problem solving, but you can kind of also say, this, this is the way it is. And you go with it. Uh, you, you know, at some point, you you don't have to always just come up with a new solution or an answer. You can just say, no, this is the way it is, and you have to deal with it. Uh, I feel in higher ed, you spend a lot more time needing to listen and come up with possible solutions. Uh, and you have to be like the, um, you have to support everything, because you can't funnel everybody to a single software package or a single tool set uh, because there's so many different uh, needs across the different groups that a single tool set's not going to help. And so you really have to support a wide range of tool sets and solutions to meet the needs. Uh, and, and as much as you wanna narrow that down, it's really difficult to to provide solutions that can meet everybody uh, just because of, of the wide range of groups. So that's that's kind of the the difference that I've seen and and the need to always just be sitting as how could how can I provide a solution rather than just straight up being the roadblock. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, Lauren. I think really listening to all your constituents. Um, as an IT leader, you're supporting uh, the entire campuses um, with respect to technology and how technology can really support the, the mission of, of the college and supporting the needs and requirements going forward for uh, faculty, staff, and students. And I, I think that's a really great point, um, listening well and and coming up with solutions to meet the meet the needs uh, of your stakeholders. So I really appreciate your time today, and I want to thank you for joining me. You're welcome, and thanks for the time, Joe. Uh, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple iTunes. Uh, check back next month for another great topic and great guest. Until then, stay well.